Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Mendy here, back with you guys tonight, joined by the normal cast and crew and a special guest who we'll get to in just a second. Of course, you guys know I'm with a slice of cheesecake, I'm with the Marty Party, and I'm with the doctor's office, all president accounted for here. Marty Party, what's going on? Uh, Not too much. I'm glad to be here. I'm really pumped for our special guest this evening. And I want to uh, thank everybody for joining the first uh, group of the Triple Players Ball. And I'm very excited to get those next 15 in there as we make our way to four leagues, 60 people, super pumped. That's right. Three leagues, 45 last year. And Tambo took home the patented Golden Cleats Trophy. So if you guys are interested in signing up for the Triple Players Ball, make sure you send a DM to Doc at Triple Fancy or myself at Dimendio2. It's a fun, fun league, so make sure you get a part of that. It's going to be a good, good time. Doc, what about you, man? What's going on in the business world, in the world of working jobs and doing Doc type of things? I don't know what you do, but what's going on? David, I've been working nonstop, but with jobs for like two days. Why'd you have to bring that up? Uh, Anything but that. Bring you down, and you know what I do. And a little cheesecake. He's got his hat. He's got his office ready. He's got his headphones. He's ready to go tonight. Cheesecake, tell us. Are you ready to talk some shortstops tonight? No, I want to talk more about Doc's jobs. Let's talk more about it. Uh, uh, Doc, I, uh, the people want what, what they want, you know? <laughs> I'm stoked for shortstops. Shortstops is a fun position. It is. I'll tell you what's funner, though, our special guest tonight. We welcome in a man who, just like W.B. Mason, allows you to save, but this time on closers. He's right in your neighborhood with his podcast. It's in your ears, sleeper in the bust, and allows you to view special offers like his appearance in a onesie. He's the co-owner of Fantasy Benefits, creator of TGFBI, writer and podcaster for Fangraphs. He's an FSWA award winner, and most importantly, he is owned by Daniel Salinger. We welcome <laughs> in our guy, Justin Mason. What's up, man? Uh, Danielle will uh, thoroughly appreciate you uh, mentioning uh, the fact that she owns me um, uh, <laughs> as I skip out on date night that she had already planned on skipping out on uh, to prepare for her PitchCon uh, panel. Um, uh, <laughs> so thanks. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's always a blast to talk to you. It's always a blast having you on, man. I think I have to follow her uh, tomorrow, which is going to be a tough act to follow. I don't know why Nick would do that to me, but... Uh, I, she killed. I, she's doing the same thing she did last year, if I remember correctly. But she crushed no. that, that topic. It, it, it's different. Oh yeah, no, she's doing a whole presentation herself. Um, uh, and it, I, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to like give away like the secrets and stuff. Uh, but I will because I'm here. Um, <laughs> she like jokingly put something in the PitchCon sign up thing, and Nick is making her do it. Um, because he didn't get the joke. Um, <laughs> so uh, definitely tune in for her paint or for her presentation. Uh, I'm petrified of like doing like a solo presentation for something yeah. like that. Uh, I, you know, and so she's going to do that before I've ever even done it. So um, more power to her. Uh, I think it's going to be a blast. Um, and I can't wait to see what she comes up with. 
Can you give our listeners what time will that presentation be going on so they can check it out? I believe it is at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, so uh, 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Um, yeah, it should be uh, it should be an absolute blast. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be something different than I think a lot of the other people are doing. Uh, and uh, and she's uh, you know, if you follow her on Twitter, you should follow her on Twitter uh, at Mrs. D Salinger. Uh, she is very, very funny. I expect it mm-hmm. to be filled with a lot of humor, um, and uh, I expect it to be uh, really, really entertaining. So definitely tune in for that. Like I said, I, I am so upset that I have to follow that. She is hilarious. I, I can't wait to see what she uh, she comes up with for tomorrow. It's going to be a blast. Make sure you guys tune in. I know I will be. Uh, but tonight, Justin, shortstop's a big deal. Uh, it's a very popular position. There's a lot of different ways you can go with drafting this position. Uh, there are studs, obviously, at the top. There are some guys that are interesting as we get later on down the shortstop list. So we're here today to tell you guys, looking at each range of shortstops, where we like to draft these guys and guys we're looking to avoid in these certain pockets of ranges here. So we're going to go right back to you, Justin. We're going in that first top 10 shortstops over the last weeks in ADP on the NFBC. And I would like to start out positive with a player that's going in the top 10 that you absolutely love to have here. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, it's really hard to go wrong in the top 10 because the top 10 are, you know, pretty much all studs. I really like Bo Bichette, and I feel like he's getting a little bit disrespected. I know last year was kind of a quote-unquote down year, but he made a real swing change in the second half, uh, kind of adding a scissor kick. Uh, to the, uh, to his mechanics, um, and after that, he was just an absolute stud. Now you're talking about a guy that hits out to center a lot anyways, uh, and they're going to be moving in that center field wall to kind of create more offense after the humidor that they added a couple of years ago has kind of made it a more neutral park. I think he could have just a monster year, and I, I don't know if there's anybody as safe as him kind of going in the back end of that first round. So, like, Bo Bichette, if I'm if I'm drafting, like, you know, pick 12, 13, 14, 15, something like that. If I can get him right there, kind of the wheel, I'm going to be super, super happy. Well, it's funny because if you're drafting with a little cheesecake, it sounds like he's going to be all over Bo Bichette too. Is that the same reasons that Justin gave LSD? Or do you have a couple other things you would like to tack on for the Bo Bichette love here? I think Justin said, said most of what I'd like to say. The, the, the park is going to get better. His volume is going to be there. I think he'll he could end up being you know the second or third best shortstop uh overall after the season is done i think he'll probably end up better than bobby witt as far as if you just as far as shortstops go because of his batting average and probable power i think there's upside in the power too he had 24 home runs and 48 barrels last year um i think as justin said he's really safe and uh, it's a good base for your team yeah, uh, but I will tell you who's going to be a party pooper, and that's Marty Party, who is not in on Bo Bichette this year. He has him as his fade in the top 10. So, Marty, what's up with the fade, man? Why why are we disagreeing with what seems like his consensus here? So picture this. It's at the end of the first round or the beginning of the second round. If And I have already talked about this. Opportunity cost. I am going with a Corbin Burns or a Garrett Cole. I need a bona fide ace. And let's say if they are both gone, we talk about somebody who's who's a very safe bet. I want the polar bear, Pete Alonzo. Mm-hmm. So the two things I'm not screwing around with at the beginning of my draft is a pitcher that can get me 200-plus mm-hmm. strikeouts or a guy who can hit me at least 40, maybe 50 home runs. 
We've talked about this a lot that there's going to be more opportunity for stolen bases. So the round, you know, 20, he's looking to get um, somewhere around there. I, I feel like I can make that up with a, with my guy who I like a little bit later. So this is less about like Bo Bichette, you know, he's not worth it. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's very safe. He talked to uh, Justin, Ray talked about how he refined his swing when he came back after the, uh, the IL um, in September, he had seven home runs in the month. He batted four Oh three. You know, he was just absolutely incredible. And he actually set the Blue Jays record for the most single hits in a month with 48. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a little bit of a ceiling there or a little bit of a like high upside, even though he's at that pick. But I got to I'm going to be going after Burns or Cole. Justin, what's your rebuttal for that? Do you find yourself just with the players around him? Can you see wanting to go that route? Or are you more kind of like waiting on pitcher later on in drafts? And so that's why you're OK getting Bo Bichette where he's going. Like, I don't have a problem with like going Burns or Cole there. Uh, and realistically, in, in some drafts, especially as we start to see pitchers move up the board, as we obviously will uh, come March, um, you, you may have the opportunity to actually get Bichette in the second round, which I'm totally cool with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my only argument against, uh, you know, uh, a Marty here is one starting pitching is so deep it is extremely deep this year if there was a year to fade starting pitching in the first round it is going to be this season and what Bobachette does is he gives you five category production which is something that Pete Alonso doesn't do and what five category uh contributors do is they give you more options later on right you may have that guy you really like for speed later on that you can pair with Alonso but who you don't know if I like him a lot more and going to pop him earlier. And then that leaves you kind of SOL. I won't so, allow it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> to get a guy like Bichette who gives you five, ga- five category production um, gives you more options to build your team properly as the draft goes on. So that's my, that would be my argument against it. I don't think Marty's necessarily wrong. I'm just more right. I <laughs> <laughs> needs to be on a shirt. <laughs> I love it. Uh, here's interesting. We're going to stay with the debates because this might be the most debated episode I think we've done with the position previews because Doc coming out swinging for his love for Xander Bogarts while a little cheesecake and Justin Mason again on the same page with trying to potentially fade Xander this year. So, Doc, I'm going to let you take the floor, make your case, and then let them squash you with their rebuttal. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's David versus Goliath at this point, right? Uh, well, I'm not competing, so no. So, <laughs> Vander Bogarth is the 10th shortstop with an ADP of 78. So, really with him, you're getting consistency, you're getting durability. He's played in at least 84% of games in his nine full seasons, played in 88% of eight of those nine. So, he's pretty much a lock for an everyday player barring injury. His K percentage has been below 19 for eight straight years. He's a lock for basically 290 batting average. He's had that seven in, out of his last eight seasons. A lock for 10 to 15 home runs, 80 to 110, uh, 10 to 15 home runs, 80 to 110 runs, 70 to 100 RBIs, depending where he hits on the order, five to eight stolen bases. And he's providing you value in multiple categories and that you're not having to pay up for. He's going to be on a new team, but I don't think there's going to be the pressure that happens with a lot of first-year contracts because I think the pressure will be on Tatis, will be on Machado, will be on Soto. And once again, playing in a better lineup, he's going to be in Colorado more often that year. So maybe you see the home runs go up a little bit. I'm interested to hear why you guys are fading him. I'm also interested to hear uh, Justin Mason. Yeah, his friend reminded me of 
of your slander about my donuts. <laughs> but we'll say that for another time. But Brendan, I, I did forget. Thank you for reminding me because we'll have to address that. Uh, but go ahead with the rebuttal for Xander Bogarts. Uh, I, I'm going to let Justin be the closer here. So Elsie, I'm going to let you kick it off this time. You tell sure. me why he's wrong. Um, well, Bogarts basically put together that 290 plus season, but it kind of is has the most smoke and mirrors out of what he's put together in a season. Uh, in his career, his 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 zone contact rate was a career low. His strikeout rate was low. His barrel rate was his lowest since 2017. And he's moving to a much, much worse hitting park. Uh, and he's also always had a strong home road split where he's like a 312 career home hitter to a 285 career road hitter. Um, now his home hitting environment is going to be much, much worse. And I'm, uh, I'm going, I'm going to tell you guys that, uh, according to ESPN park factors, Petco was the worst park for runs scored in all of baseball last year. It is worse in home runs, worse in hits worse in doubles, and much, much worse in triples than Fenway. So he's not going to be getting the park boost. And I do, you know, while, Doc, I really appreciate you letting him off the hook on the first year of a big contract, maybe he does feel a little bit of pressure on that first year on a big contract. For me, I think that there's performance later on going after him, a guys who I think are going to give you pretty much the same season going 40 and 50 picks later. I can't disagree with you there, Elsie. Those are some valid points. Justin, what would you like to add? Uh, if he had played all of his games at Petco last year, his ex-home runs was 13. So he actually loses power going to San Diego. Like Doc said, worst zone contact of his career. He had a super high Babbitt. That's why the average was up where it was. I almost also have questions about, like, can he even get the plate appearances that we saw in Boston? Because... He's going to be in a loaded lineup right now. Ross resource has him batting fifth and that's before Tatis comes back on this team. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that could push him down even further in the lineup. Like he is an accumulator and I don't want an accumulator that's hitting six. I want an accumulator that's hitting first or second. Um, and it's just such a boring profile on a team that like has so many stars and in a position that has so many stars, like, I just think he's being completely overdrafted. Uh, not only do I think he is not a top 10 shortstop, like I've got him 14th on my shortstop ranks uh, after doing my projections uh, behind, you know, guys like uh, Ahmed Rosario and William Adamas. Like, I will much rather wait quite a few rounds and get the guys who can actually hit home runs, steal bases, because now he's moving to a team that stole fewer bases than the Boston Red Sox. Mm -hmm in the Padres, they'd stole the fourth fewest bases. He was on a team that stole the fifth fewest bases last year. So uh, like, like there's nothing about, and, and he's also going to go in the national league for the first time where he's never seen any of these pitchers. Like there's just so many things that can go wrong here. And like the upside is so low. Like if, I, if I'm going to take a gamble on a shortstop, I want the guy to have sky high upside, not like kind of, a glass ceiling for upside. So you're taking a gamble when you take people like Byron Buxton in the fourth round or a jazz Chisholm. You're not taking not, a gamble. I'm not doing either of those either. But like <laughs> well, so let me ask you, because obviously roster resource isn't the end all be all. Do you think the Padres would pay him that exorbitant amount of money to have him hit six? 
I mean, I guess he theoretically could lead off, but I just I think he would hit second. You hit you have Soto at least to begin the year. You have Soto lead off for a good on base percentage, and you have Bogarts in the two. I think that's one of you know a big reason I was in on Whit Merrifield for years, and obviously backfired last year was the fact he was an accumulator from the fact that he did play games that he was going to have the counting stats. You know, maybe not give you the most home runs, obviously gave you way more stolen bases than Xander ever will. But just because of the durability and the counting stats will be there in a good lineup. But like Justin did mention that if he's not leading off or hitting in the top of the order, he's going to be accumulating stuff towards the bottom half of the order, which you don't want for the accumulator. So I I think that the lineup context could definitely be something. And if you want to see lineups, obviously Mike Curl is the guy to go to for all the stuff that's going on in spring training for that. And lineups are going to be a nightmare to predict this year because so many guys are going to be at the WBC. We're not going to have like spring training lineups like we normally do early on in spring training. So like it's going to be really, you know, I could see him batting lead off. I don't see him batting second because with the few amount of lefties that they have on this roster, they're and wanting to go kind of righty, lefty, righty, lefty. I think they're going to lead off with a righty. Um, So I think it's kind of lead off or bust for Bogarts. and he definitely could. I mean, he's a guy who typically has high average, walks at like a 9-10% rate. So theoretically, he could lead off. If he does, that definitely helps. It still doesn't help the power. It still doesn't help the speed. So do you want your shortstop when you can get 25-plus and you know 10-plus in terms of homers and stolen bases from other guys? Like, Do you want your shortstop to be an accumulator? Like, I guess it's fine. Like, It probably won't hurt you, but I don't know. That's not... When, when there's so many other guys going behind him that have got like, you know, prodigious power or prodigious speed, I'm probably not taking Xander Bogarts. I drew the line when you said Ahmad Rosario. <laughs> 20 plus stolen bases, baby. I, like I, a, I'm going to save my Ahmed Rosario hate for when we get to that. <laughs> well, we might have to make a, a bet like on the Rasball player Raider who finishes higher or something Let's like do that. It. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> All right. Well, then, Marty, let's get to you because Justin mentioned that. At this point, he wants a player that has a high ceiling, not a glass ceiling. And there's not too many shortstops that have a potential higher ceiling than your next player here, somebody who set stat cast records last year. Mr. O'Neill Cruz, baby. ADP of 73.89, eighth shortstop off the board. That's around the middle of the fifth round. So uh, Roster Resource has him leading off for the Pirates. Um, bad X projections have him at uh, 550 plate appearances, batting 248, which won't kill you, by the way. Uh, 22 home runs, 19 stolen bases, 73 runs, and 67 RBI. He is one of only three shortstops uh, projected for at least 19 home runs and more than 20 stolen bases. And we know his downside. I mean, he can't hit off-speed pitches. His strikeout percentage is in the one percentile. We know all of this, but he's only 24 years old. And I'm going to make sure that as I'm you know, progressing through my draft, that I'm going to be offsetting his potential down batting average with people who hit, you know, who are going to bat 270, 280. And um, I mean, max exit velocity in the 100th percentile, sprint speed 98th percentile. Six seven, he's one of the funnest players to watch, and I put my money where my mouth is. When we, you know, we all actually were in the Arizona Fall League draft, the fifteen team draft and hold that we're still doing at FPAS. But um, I picked him up in the sixth round, so you know, I, I, money where my mouth is. I love his upside, and you just got to make sure that you offset it with people who have a you know are going to have a higher batting average. But I love where he's going. He's the ultimate high risk, high reward, right? I mean. 
his profile is very volatile. The biggest question I have, and there have been people that have agreed with me and others obviously that disagree, but with the Pirates lineup as bad as it is, if he starts progressing, are pitchers going to pitch around him, quote unquote, in a sense to where they're not going to give him many good pitches to hit? Will he get frustrated? Will he start chasing? And and especially as being that young of a player, is he going to be able to adjust and just take the walks? Or is he going to to start becoming too aggressive? And that's that's my biggest concern just in that sense when you have a young player that's already the ba- the pretty much assuming Brian Reynolds is traded, uh, the best player in that lineup at, at that point. So that's my yeah, only question. I'm less question. worried about that because he is leading off. He is in control of his own destiny. And I don't, mm-hmm. you, no matter what, you never want to put the leadoff guy on. So they're, they're going to go after him. And they don't have to pitch around him because he's probably going to swing anyway. So <laughs> and when he does swing, he has the ability to, like I said, make really hard contact um, and take it to that next level. So I, I'm not too worried about that. I, I And I think that like there's a little bit of a, you know, a fallacy around, um, you know, like protection in the lineup, which is, it's been, you know, proven that it's not really a thing. But I mean, you can't hide behind the fact that, yeah, Brian Reynolds is hitting second. Brian Hayes third, and then it goes the G-Man Choi, you know, the ghost of Andrew McCutcheon. So obviously the, the everyone around him isn't that good, but I love that he's leading off. That's going to give him the opportunity to steal the bases, and then the the power upside's insane. Yeah, I mean, again, it's very tantalizing. So it could be something that could really pay off in a major way. And uh, Brandon adds in the comments here. Honestly, it would be hard to draft any Pirates players at this point. Just my opinion. Uh, yep. I mean, I, I'm curious at top of my head outside of Brian Reynolds and uh, O'Neill Cruz, the highest ranked player going for them right now. Like Mitch Keller is pretty much David Bednar. Yeah, David, David. Bednar. Good, good McCutcheon, call. baby. Like, the Pirates lineup's not as bad as people make it out to be. Now, like, is it good? No. But, like, it's not as bad. Like, That's uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> if they do trade Brian Reynolds, that is a problem. It is an absolute <laughs> problem. Like, he is a perfect, like, I love Brian Reynolds, and I love him even more if he ends up on another team. But that would be really, really bad news for both Hayes and uh, and O'Neill Cruz. Uh, that being said, like, the slander about his, like, swinging and everything, he had a league average O-swing. Like, league average. Like Oh, I said know, I'm breaking balls, specifically. Yeah, yeah like, I, I think O'Neill Cruz is fine. Like, um, I do worry about, like, just the holes – because in his swing, because he's so big, like we just don't have a long track record of six, seven shortstops, like, you know, being able to maintain mm-hmm. like anywhere close to league average contact, but he didn't do a bad job of it in 2022. So like, yeah, I, I, I love O'Neill. Justin, you know who else is six, seven Aaron judge, Aaron judge, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I hate like being like, you know, you know, who else is six, seven Kyle blanks. Um, I forgot that name. Yeah. So like, you know, for, for, for every Aaron judge is about 20, like, you know, you'd have to agree with the athleticism is what I'm talking about. You know, it's not like he's some slob at six, Mm -hmm. seven, you know, he's like a top tier athlete. Yeah. And I mean, he's extremely fast. He's extremely strong. Like, I think there's a lot of reasons to like O'Neill Cruz still, still scares the crap out of me. Like, I'm just not like, you know, and I've had a hard time pulling the trigger. So good on you, Marty, for pulling the trigger on on O'Neill Cruz because I haven't been able to do it yet. It's definitely tough. He's a polarizing player. Uh, like, yeah, the Kyle Blanks. I, I did not know he was going to get mentioned in this podcast. It's already fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you who is also fantastic. And you know what? I'm already going to address the argument. Sometimes you can go and buy a $10 shirt 
And other times you want to treat yourself and you want to buy that $50 shirt that you can go walk around town and be proud of, right? That, that's me with Corey Seager. Everybody can say, oh, I want to wait till the 15th shortstop off the board. But Corey Seager deserves your respect, okay? Corey Seager, first of all, if you look at his StatCast page, show your girlfriend his StatCast page on Valentine's Day because there's so much red in there. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, he had an unbelievable year last year. I think most people don't even talk about it. The average was not great, but 33 homers and 83 RBIs last year. And I think that average is actually going to be due for a strong regression. There's a great article on MLB.com. I want to make sure I give the proper credit to this writer, Mike Petriello, who talks about that Corey Seager was one of the is going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of the shift change this year. He actually had horrible luck hitting into the shift. He would have had 20 hits, basically, according to StatCast that would have made it through the infield that didn't make it in 2022, the most of all hitters in baseball, head of Kyle Schwarber and Carlos Santana. He also, in 151 games, had an above-average contact rate, and he was shifted on 93% of his at-bats. That is one of the top five most in baseball. The end result was he made contact in 481 batted balls against a full or partial shift, which was the most of any lefty in baseball, and he pulled 107 grounders into the shift leaving uh, basically uh, Charlie Blackman was second at 86. So you had a, a big gap between first and second place there. He's a great contact hitter. He obviously got really killed with the shift change. I think with that being banned this year, he already has showed you he has 30 home run power. He's in an improving Texas lineup, and he has all the underlying stuff in his profile to be a really good hitter, as he's shown already. I think Corey Seager is being slept on because people are saying they're not going to pay the price for him but he's the shortstop that I am actually going to pay the price for that go inside the top 10. I think he's going to be on a lot of my teams this year. Now, is there anybody that before we move on to, a, uh, we'll talk about a couple other, we don't want to draft that is out on Corey Seager at his price this year where you won't draft. We'll have zero Corey Seager. I'm not out. I think there is some concern, right? Like last year we saw him do something that we hadn't seen him do in like four years, mm -hmm. which is stay on the field. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's always a concern that uh, a guy like him is going to have reoccurring hip issues, reoccurring back issues, like things like that, that are going to pop up in a year after he played 151 games. Uh, I think the other thing we got to remember too, is not, it's not a banning of the shift. Don't, don't say it's a banning of the shift. It is a minimizing of the shift. Teams can still shift. They just can't shift as uh, aggressively if they mm -hmm. have uh, previously. So just because he benefited or he, you know, he was one of the people who uh, is supposedly going to benefit from there being a lesser shift doesn't mean he's going to get all the benefits of it. That being said, he had like a 242 Babbitt last year. He was like one of the really unluckiest yeah. people in baseball. So like I'm not out on him by any stretch of the imagination. I also want people to temper their expectations because he's one of those guys that if he plays 91 games this year, I'm not mm -hmm. going to be surprised. Are you do you think he's more closer to the 91 games than he was to the 150 games? Or are you kind of settling somewhere in the middle for that? I think I projected him for 140. Okay. Um, and it's a really, really good one for me. So like, mm -hmm. I like that I'm not out on him. I'm totally fine drafting him, but I also, I also, you also have to remember, like he doesn't have the safest floor because he's one of those guys that like, you yeah. know, that hip flares up, that back flares up. He could miss a large amounts of time. So, and you also have to be careful with your roster construction because he doesn't steal bases. 
Yeah, that's a good point as well. Uh, only three steals last year. I guess in, in the best case scenario, you're hoping with the bigger bases and the limited pickoff attempts that he could potentially get close to double digits. But I think that's a very optimistic yeah. point of view to get there. A, a guy with his injury history, they're not going to risk yeah. him. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I will say the one thing about him, and I think Justin touched on it, is the durability. Like Texas signed him to a big contract. I think I think if there's any nicks or bruises he has, that they're not going to rush him back. When um, our guys at the fantasy baseball beat had the Rangers beat writer on, he was saying for Degrom, like they might like kind of baby and live in him year one. I think even though they're spending a lot of money, that they're not going all in next year. That they want to you know manage their investments. Yeah, I mean, Texas is in this for the long haul with the money they're spending and the contracts they're giving out. So uh, it makes sense a lot with uh, with those points. Let's move, uh, Doc. You uh, were out on Fernando Tatis. I am also out on Fernando Tatis. I believe that was the only other player in the top 10 that we were going to talk about avoiding here before we get to the next range. If you want to touch on really quick why you're going to fade Fernando Tatis, I don't think many of us are going to argue it it too much but go ahead and give us your points here yeah i mean it's just kind of where his adp is at 15 right now the third ranked shortstop he hasn't played a game since october 3rd 2021 and he's eligible to return on april 20th 2023 so that's going to be 18 months since he last played that means 18 months since he's last seen live pitching since he's been in a major league game um and you know he had a really really great season before getting hurt and then suspended um, but he's still at a 27.6 K percentage. Is he going to be as aggressive on the base pass? Is he going to have that 34 stolen base upside coming back from injuries? And just to top on it, it's the maturity issues. You know, he's somebody that got paid early in his career. Does he really care about baseball as much? And we've seen that with some people is once they get the bag, they don't really focus on the sport as much. So it's just, I can't take him at that price. Nothing against him as a player. He's extremely talented. But there's so much risk. He's, I think, the fact that he's in a 15 team league going is still in the first round. He's right now going at 15.48. Uh, that's where I'm out on him. I, I know the upside's tantalizing, but with the factors you said, Doc, to spend a first round pick on him, uh, maybe if if you're, you know, playing in in an amazingly deep, or I should say, like a, an overall league that's got a huge prize, like you know the. Um, uh, main event main like event. It, it, something like that like where you're gonna just like go balls to the wall everything like i get that but i would say in most leagues i can't see paying that the first round price for someone that's uh, was it 15 games there it is starting out to miss next year it's like 20 it's 20, 20 games so 20 games to start the year next year then you know he might need some time just to ramp up even if he gets some minor league at bats during that time you know he's not going to come right back to after not seeing major league pitching for this long. Uh, I think there's just a lot of red flags for a first round pick. Do you guys and, ever have a realization or epiphany that you're not going to draft a certain player anymore? Mine for him was when I saw on Sunday Night Baseball before the Padres played the Dodgers, and he's playing soccer in the outfield and lands on his broken wrist. That was the real. Uh, that was the realization that I could never take Tatis. And last thing I'll say, because we didn't touch on it, but like he took, I mean, unless you believe the ringworm story, I mean, it's possible he's been relying on steroids. I mean, we don't know, right? But it's something. There's a lot of question marks again for the first round price. Projections have him as the top shortstop. Yeah. 
I mean, if you like, yeah. even like I, I did the, I did my own projections this year, and I have him as a top ten player overall with missing time. Um, now here's the thing, Tatis is very similar to a lot of high risk, high reward guys. You can throw like Byron Buxton in kind of this. Uh, he, um, it is very league dependent. If you are playing in a ten team league, take Tatis every day because there's replacement value mm-hmm. on the waiver wire. Um, especially if you have IL spots in your league, which most like 10 and 12 team leagues do like you want upside in those leagues, take the mm-hmm. gamble, right? Because he, you know, with replacement value, right. It's not like you have to take an empty spot or zeros during those, you know, first 20 games, or if he misses time, he, he could easily be the number one player in fantasy. Now, if you're playing in a 15 team league, and this is where I'm going to disagree with, with David, if you're playing in a league with an overall contest, you actually really want to be uh, pretty risk averse in those because there aren't replacement value, right? You lose Tatis for the whole year like you did last season. Who are you going to replace him with? Like, you know, there isn't even like, you know, the 30th shortstop off the board available on the waiver wire, right? You you look at teams that win TGFBI overall, that win the main event overall, they are really boring. Um, you know, because they avoided all the risk. So like, I, you know, if you're going to play in a deeper format, I would avoid mm-hmm. the tease. You're playing in a shallower format, playing in a 10 team league, go for it. So then Brandon, that's why he's on the same page with you, Justin. He says his 10 teamer. That's why I took Tatis and Buxton and he has Seager and Jeremy Pena yeah. at shortstop. Wow. Yeah. Like see when you're in a 10 team league, it's easy to backfill. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where you should take those gambles, especially if you've got, you know, you've got IO spots. You know, like, yeah, use those IL spots. Hope that he's fine. All right. Well, then let's move to the next range here. And this is the range where you can start getting a little funky because you can start planning builds around these guys later on. You're like, these are ones I don't have to pay premiums for. And I can you kind of build my draft how I want with these guys later on. So, Justin, let's go back to you and let's talk about your favorite going the 11 to 20 range here. And I have to admit, when you gave me this name, this was not one I was expecting we were going to talk about tonight because I feel like he's very underrated. So I, I love that you're going to give him some love here. There's a number of guys in this range that I really, really like. Like, I have yeah. no problem missing out on the top 10 and, and pulling from a number of guys here. But Tyro Estrada is projected to lead off of the Giants. He's multi-positional eligible. He does a little bit of everything. So, you know, like I was talking about earlier with Bo Bichette, you know, what Bo Bichette does is allows you to go in a lot of different directions, right? Tyro Estrada does the same. He's going to hit for a little bit of power. He's got a little bit of speed. He's going to lead off, so he's going to accumulate. Uh, I think he can hit for a halfway decent average. He gives you a lot of options continuing your draft. Also plays second base, which is a really crappy position. Um, and so you can, you know, have him cover over there for you. Tyro, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit of a homer, but I think he's kind of just this jack of all trades that makes a lot of sense when you start getting to that point. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a player leading off, you already kind of get our attention. And the fact, I mean, the Giants, for you can make fun of that they they didn't spend big money to get a player this year. Obviously, the Correa thing didn't work out. They but like, yeah. they, they, they tried, tried, they tried. Yeah, they just yeah. apparently <laughs> couldn't figure out how to. Uh, they were just the smart team because the Twins decided to ignore all the red flags and just give him money. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But he's going to lead off for that team, should be able to accumulate a lot of stuff. And there was a lot of positive things looking at his profile last year. You know, not a horrible strikeout rate, a 16.5% last year, two straight years, 17.4% or lower. You know, he's putting the ball in play and uh, 
just it seems like he could be somebody that it, it could be slept on. And the fact that you mentioned 21 stolen bases last year, that play. Uh, so I, I can see the, the love for him here. And <laughs> Giants were just second place on everyone. They, were, they literally yeah. were second place on everyone. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> little cheesecake. Let's go to you next. Let's talk about your love for Javi Baez. So, I mean, I don't know if you're just trying to appeal to Marty Party right now because of all the, mm. the Tigers talk that's negative on this show. But go ahead. No, I am I am on record, and you can put me on record again, is to say pretty much the entire Detroit offense is due for some positive regression. Um, I don't know what the park changes are going to do, and I'm not counting on them as far as this is concerned. What I am counting on is just the fact that Javi Baez had over 12.5% barrel rate most of his career, and it dropped down to... Um, eight percent last year his babbit was way down last year um and he really looked like someone who was who was not you know not trying to be too precise trying to be too too uh perfect um his swing percentage went down led to the best zone contact rate he's had in a long time in his career but with javi baez that's not really what you're getting him for you want him for that loud contact um so what you saw is his chase rate went up his own contact rate went up and his batting average and his power went down what i think we're going to see is a little bit uh, of a reversion back to the old javi baez uh maybe not fully back to the 30 home runs 30 15 30 20 type season but you know, solid 20 plus, maybe as much as, maybe as much as 30 and solid 10 plus stolen bases and maybe as much as 15. And I think where he's going, uh, pick what I have about 165. That's a pretty good price. Also, uh, my, my one caveat is I would probably want him as my MI and not as my starting shortstop. Marty, you watch as many Tigers games as anybody. Do you see the optimism that Cheesecake possess here? I do. I actually talked about it a lot yesterday um, on Bubba's podcast, which comes out tomorrow, where I you know, talk about the beautiful Detroit Tigers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the fences are coming in uh, 10 feet. The right center field wall is being lowered from 13 feet down to seven. Um, Javi Baez still makes hard contact. He's going to be playing as much as possible if he stays healthy, healthy, you know, second, third in that batting order. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. And especially I agree with Art. If he's your middle infielder, I mean, that's pretty good. You know, 22 home runs, 12 stolen bases, somewhere around there. And I, I asked Bubba this. I asked him, I was like, you want to hear something depressing? And of course, he said yes, that mm-hmm. um, Javi Baez is projected to have the highest batting average of any Tiger in the starting lineup at 249, oh according gosh. to the bat oh that's so, Is that real? <laughs> yeah, according, yep, yep, for, for the starters. So, yeah, oh 249 batting average, which you'll take with Baez. You know, I, I don't think that's too yeah. bad. He's not going to walk. He's going to strike out a ton. But he's going to have all the plate appearances that you need, and the his uh, you know, he's still the hard hit percentage is still there. So I like I like where he's at. That's like the glass half full approach. Javi Baez is going to be the best hitter on the team for the Tigers, or you said the best batting average, right? That's what you yeah, said. Yeah, and he's projected for the highest batting average according to the bad axis. That's the glass half full approach. The glass half empty approach is Javi Baez is the best average hitter on the Tigers. <laughs> and I Goodness still have gracious. right now currently. That's my hobby bias. Uh, you were right prepared. Here. You were ready to go. <laughs> I'm repping, baby. I thought we would utter the words, Javi Baez has the highest batting average on his team. 
Yeah. Here we are. Well, welcome to the T- uh, Detroit Tigers in 2023. He's getting more love than Brandon Drury on this podcast. That's <laughs> wrong. Yeah, uh, but uh, go ahead, Doc. So let's let's talk. Uh, let's get away from the Detroit Tigers like we normally do, <laughs> and let's talk about your love here. Who are you looking at? Well, staying in the vision, it's Tim Anderson with an ADP of 84 at shortstop 12. Now, the big thing is he's missed a lot of time with injuries. You name a body of the part, uh, body part, it's probably happened. Finger, ankle, groin, hamstring, you name it. He's played a 145 games or more twice in his career. So if he can stay healthy, um, that's that's really what I'm looking for. And I like the price this year. I mean, in 2022, I know he only played 79 games, but he had by far the lowest K percentage of his career, 15.7%. He had 13 stolen bases in those 79 games. He's had four straight seasons, batting over 300. I actually think the White Sox lineup is going to be improved. I know kind of there was a huge headache with La Russa last year and losing Jose Abreu, but when you look at their top four, according to Roster Resource, Tim Anderson, Andrew Benatendi, Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, who I think everybody's projecting a breakout for. I can see a lot of counting stats there. Once again, he's going to give you the batting average, you know, maybe 10 to 15 home runs, 10 to 15 stolen bases, and, you know, good runs plus RBIs. And I know we've mentioned this on other episodes before, but just the fact that they are going to have, like we talked about, new hitting coach in there and just a new manager. They really had the contact approach last year. Obviously, their leader in home runs being Andrew Vaughn having under 20 home runs really speaks volumes to the fact that they weren't trying to swing for the fences. They were trying to make more contact. And you could see a return to power for some of these players on this team. So, you know, maybe there there's more there in, in that regard. But uh, I think a lot of White Sox people are going to be in on this year because there's so much talent there. They underperformed last year. And uh, he could be one of the biggest guys there in terms of if he, as long as he stays healthy. So uh, I like the Tim Anderson call. Marty, we did talk about Javi Baez, but he wasn't your love. So who is your love in the 11 to 20 range? Yeah, so you'll see my three likes. Two of them are super risky, and one of them is not. This is the one that is not risky. Willie Adamas. I feel good inside about Willie Adamas. ADP mm-hmm. of 94, 13th shortstop off the board. He's going around the sixth round in a 15-team league. Batting second in the Brewers lineup. And look at listen to these projections from Bad X. 622 plate appearances, 28 home runs. So he's projected for the second most home runs uh, for shortstops behind Fernando Tatis Jr. Seven stolen bases, 78 runs, and 82 RBI. I love the stadium. I love that he's at top of the lineup. His barrel percentage was in the 90th percentile, so he consistently makes hard contact. Over the last two years, he's decreased his strikeout percentage while his at-bats his at have increased. So I believe there could be another level to his game. I think he could you know, even touch 30 home runs. And um, yeah, just I just I really like where he's at. For shortstops, he's the last one where I feel confident, where I'd want him to be my starting shortstop. After that, we start getting in the middle infielder territory. But for him, that's I, th- I think he's being slept on, even at that ADP. Yeah, I can't just kind of nod from Justin. Let's go, Justin. You want to add anything with the the Willie Adams love here? Anything positive? Anything? No, positive? I, mean, I I completely agree. I, I mean, I just think he um, does exactly what you want at shortstop without having to pay an outrageous price. You know, you're you're getting a guy who can hit, you know, probably twenty five plus or maybe even thirty plus, like Marty mentioned, home runs. He steals some bases. I think he's one of those guys that could steal more bases with these new rules and larger bases and things like that, because we know he has speed. Uh, He's just never really put a show on or anything like that. So like 
a a 27 15 season i don't think is like out of the question he's gonna hit like in a really great spot in a really great park in a really bad division like so i yeah i I love willie adamas i think he is kind of just overlooked because of flasher options yeah i agree with you guys there uh this next player also i feel like is being slept on a little bit surprisingly in carlos correa the 15th shortstop going off the board right now. His successor, Jeremy Pena, is going ahead of him now after just kind of showing a promise of what he could do. But this is the the biggest bargain, I think, in the shortstop range in terms of what you can expect from him. And, and he's been very consistent, especially the last couple of years. He's played 136 or more games in back-to-back seasons. He's going back to a team where he knows the ballpark well. They did just lose their top-of-the-order guy in Luis Arise, but... They should still have a lot of runs to be scored in this lineup. And I mean, he's just very consistent last year. Hit 299 against lefties, 289 against righties. Had basically only two months where he had bad batting averages. He had uh, 318, 342, 283, 345, 429 across five different months of the season last year. 279 pre-All-Star break, 304 post-All-Star break. He's going to bat at the top of this Twins order. He's going to have a chance to uh, you know, score some runs for them. Hit 22 home runs last year. You could point at the red flags in his profile, but at the 15th shortstop off the board, I'm willing to take the risk at any kind of things you could find that you would want not want to draft him. I think from everywhere I've heard, I haven't heard one person complain about the price for him. And at that point, you're just going to take him. So I think it's pretty easy. Uh, he's a good one to end this section on and let's move then to the flip side. And this is the fade section. So the 11 to 20 fades, Justin, let's go back to you. Who do you find yourself avoiding in most drafts that go in this range? I mean, outside of Tim Anderson, who just can't stay on the field, uh, I'm going to go to someone, uh, who's a little bit boring. Um, and not necessarily boring, but like I just think what we saw is what we what Jeremy Payne is, and I think people yeah. are expecting him to like take another step forward. And there's nothing wrong with Jeremy Pena. I just think like I can get better production from guys like Carlos Correa going after him. Um, and I just don't see another level for Pena. Um, I think uh, people are enamored by you know a really nice rookie season and a really big playoffs and. Um, I'm just kind of fading the price. Like he just doesn't register, uh, you know, as fantasy goodness. I think he's just more of a really good real life player that's young. Um, but I don't see like a ton of growth potential. So I'm out on Jeremy Pena. The playoffs have a way of boosting a guy's ADP because it's the lasting image of the season and everybody's watching those games and he took full advantage of it. And, and some people are really going to make sure they get a lot of Jeremy Pena this year, but Marty, you also are in agreement with Justin. You probably are going to be fading him, it looks like. Same reasons or anything else you would like to add to the discussion here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a you're paying for his amazing playoff performance. I mean, he's, he's going to be hitting the back of the order, you know, either seventh or eighth in the Astros lineup. He has a 3.9 walk percentage, which is in the fourth percentile. He strikes out nearly 25% of the time. He doesn't hit the ball hard. There's just very limited upside, and Adamas is going right where he is going. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. no thanks. All right. Easy enough. I don't think you'll find too much argument from us here. Then let's go to our next guy here, a little cheesecake. The person you're fading in this range is someone from your own team that's mm-hmm. if that's not uh just a, a detriment to just what you think this man is going to be for your baseball team i don't know what is uh, you go ahead and you tell us why you think nico horner is going to be bad for where he's going right now 
Nico Horner has no power. He had 10 home runs and 11 barrels last season, so he overperformed his home runs mm-hmm. to hit 10 last year. Um, his his batting average, I mean, he's a career 270 hitter. I think he hit 300 or close to 300 last year. He's going to be leading off. He doesn't walk, so you're really looking, hoping to get you know, batting average runs and some speed out of him. So if you're really light on speed, if you're if your roster construction has been to go after power and to sort of punt batting average a little bit, I think you go for some speed with Horner, maybe. But I just don't like. I don't think he's going to give you that much. I don't think he has a, a lot of power, and I wonder if he's. I wonder if he's going to give you the counting stats and 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 if he's going to give you a ton of growth and speed. I think he's going to end up with under ten home runs probably under 20 stolen bases but that's just my that's just my thoughts so you think he's pretty much almost not like just kind of empty batting average in a sense yeah i do i don't i mean he has a little bit more speed than like the empty batting average going late which is why he's Mm -hmm. going like 150 yeah but i i don't think that that speed is worth as much because you're giving up a lot of power to like other guys going in that and you because you can get Correa, you can get uh you can get Baez, you can get um um uh Rosario, you know, Estrada. There's he's giving up home runs to all of those people and he's not really getting a ton more stolen bases than than those guys, especially guys like um like Estrada or something like that. All right. Doc was <laughs> shaking his head. What did I say? <laughs> He's just so, you're so wrong on Nico Horner. I just, I, I can't. Oh, counter, I mean, please. You, counter. you love Nico? Un, I mean, unreal. And you know what? Before I like, I sat down with Sarah Sanchez and over on FWFB. I'm doing the, I'm doing all 30 team previews in 30 days and sat down with Sarah Sanchez, talked about the Cubs. And I kind of felt the same way as you. I was like, oh, it's empty power. Like, what do I, or an empty batting average? Like, what do I care? Dude stole 20 bases. Dude was like fifth in the major leagues in zone contact. And in a year where I have no idea how larger bases, lack of a shift, uh, pitch clocks are going to affect things, what do mm-hmm. I want? I want guys who can hit the damn ball. And all he does is make contact. Uh, he's going to lead off on an improved Cubs lineup. I think that Cubs lineup is going to be sneaky good this year, uh, especially with, I think, a huge Seiya Suzuki breakout. Um, I, I think Nico Horner is actually a steal right like he is an absolute steal at the price, you know. Yeah, he doesn't hit for a ton of power. He can get power elsewhere, but I can get batting average that late with speed. Sign me up. Also, Nico Horner is projected by the Bat X for seven home runs and fifty-three RBIs and seventeen steals. How many runs scored though? With sixty-six runs scored. That and that that's a bad that's a bad projection. I, That's I mean, light. Yeah, I, I I love him, but they also project him for just 576 plate appearances. So you, they're not projecting him to lead off, which is what what he's going to do. Um, so I mean, they should be adding like almost 50. Uh, plate appearances that you add 50 plate appearances and you start going oh well that's double digits uh, home runs that's 20 plus stolen bases that's 80 plus runs you know like that's a much better projection when you add the actual proper playing time there. They do have him for 576 plate appearances, but yeah, I, I mean, if he's leading off, I would expect that that's going to be higher as well. So uh, we just need to keep him, see where he's going to be in the lineup. Brandon does agree with you, Elsie. So 
he is on yeah. Team LC for Nico Horner, but we'll see. <laughs> it's a winning situation for you because either either you're wrong and he's producing well for your team, or That's you're right. right. And then I mean, I think right. he's so it's, it's, it's I think he's a good you. baseball player. I don't think he's a prototypical leadoff guy because he doesn't take a lot of walks. And I think he's more of like an old school two hitter or a modern eight or nine hitter uh, in a lot of in a really good lineup. But I do think in that current Cubs lineup, he is going to lead off and that will produce some more counting stats for him. And and I'm big on Seiya Suzuki. So, you know, maybe the counting stats will be there. But I I think, you know, when you overproduced for 10 home runs, that to me, that says, you know, he probably would have been more like five or six. And with normal, with normal, uh, with normal results last season. Okay. All right. Well, we will, we shall see with Nico Horner. Uh, but doc, let's bring up the last player here in our, our fade section for this range and you are out. And I love a lot of Cleveland guardians this year, but this one you are out on in Ahmed Rosario. I think I'm doubling down. I think he was my fate in this range last year, too. I don't know if I've ever been an Ahmed Rosario fan since he's been on the Guardians. So we're going to talk about his walk percentage is 3.7%, which is the second percentile. So somebody that basically needs to hit the ball to get on base. But when you look at his Babbitt, it's been above 300 every year that he's been in the pros. So I do see some regression from that. He had 326 Babbitt last year. 340 the year before that. He's also, roster resource has him projected hitting second for the Guardians behind Stephen Kwan. It's obviously a great table setter, but that takes away the stolen base opportunity. For somebody that is in the 96th percentile of sprint speed, um, he doesn't hit the ball hard at all. 39th percentile of average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, 41 percentile barrel percentage in the 18th percentile. And he's just somebody that if you watch baseball, He's very streaky, and it was evident last year. In March, April, he hit 211 with one stolen base. But then in June, he had 360 with six stolen bases. And especially if you're playing in weekly lineups, how are you going to know when is the right time to play Ahmed Rosario? That's what you have to do with him is you have to stick through the thick and thin. I just can't do it. Now, I Justin, you can were... shake his head too. Well, so I was like, Justin, I know, was Team Ahmed Rosario here. Like, I, I don't understand you guys don't like players who make a lot of contact and hit high up in the lineup and steal bases. You know, I I know, like, people are, like, projecting, like, these, you know, massive stolen base numbers because of the, uh, the lar- enlarged bases and, you know, pickoff rules and things like that. Like, I we don't know. But what I do know is that Ahmad Rosario can hit the baseball. I also know that he can steal bases. Um, you you said that you know hitting behind Stephen Kwan, he's going to steal less bases. He stole sixteen of his eighteen bases in the two hole last year. Like he just runs. Like he he he's just going to run. Um, you know maybe the power takes a little bit of step back, but you're going to get average. You're going to get stolen bases. Uh, you're going to get a whole bunch of runs scored. I don't, I don't, I don't know why you dislike Ahmed Rosario. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Do you, to me do you not? Do you see him having a high BABIP again this year? Because I think he's never had a batting average over three hundred, and he doesn't walk. So you're basically hoping that that BABIP stays high. I mean, the the BABIP wasn't high. It, it was right. It is right at his career average. He is a he had a three twenty six BABIP last year. He's a career three twenty seven BABIP guy. Like he, that is his BABIP. Like, and Babbitt should be higher this year because of the limited um, uh, shifts. What about there's the sense? So if you look at his games played in his career, 
pretty much since 2018, he's played a minimum of 141 games in a full season. Last year had 670 plate appearances. Uh, so he's, he seems like he's accumulating a lot of stats based on the amount of games he's playing because he's playing in 153 games and still only had 11 home runs. The Obviously, the, the stolen bases are great with 18. Are, are you worried that if he were to play like 120 games, that those numbers would look very different to the point where where he's get, he's being drafted? It's not worth it? Sure, but I mean, like, we're not talking about a guy you're taking in a 10-team league more than likely, right? We're talking about a guy you're yeah. taking in a 15-team league. And what you want in a 15-team league is a guy who is going to accumulate. You want a guys who are going to play. And all Rosario does is accumulate in play. Like, yeah, I mean, if he plays in 40 less games uh, than, you know, he normally would, yeah, he's going to produce less stats. But any player plays in 40 less games than they usually play in, they're going to accumulate less stats. So, like, say, like, why, why would we think this year of all years that he would play in 40 less games? He's, he all he's done is in his career is play. I just, I guess when I see those types of games played at, at that abnormally high rate for today's day and age, I'm always very cautious. Like, Hey, his numbers are out of this world in 150 games, but they still would be pretty good in 120 games. If he missed like 30 games, his numbers are not good for the amount of you'd expect for 120 games for somebody that I, I feel like you would, be trusting at this point where he's being drafted uh again like the batting average is fine but like 11 home runs so if, if he had 11 home runs in 153 games last year so he plays in 130 games is that number like seven or eight at that point you're pretty much relying on him for stolen bases at that yeah, point but- i feel like that's his biggest asset for you that is actually not a, a, a really good argument against him. That's almost a good argument for him because when you're like doing your like projections for your team, you're projecting 10 or 11 home runs. Okay. He misses 40 games. You got seven. You're missing four home runs off your team. Like that's pretty easy to make up off the waiver wire, right? Like a guy who can hit you the equivalent of four extra home runs from where you were. Whereas if you take a guy that you were expecting 27 home runs for and he miss it and he's going to miss a quarter of the season. Well, now you got to make up, you know, nine home runs in order to like, that's, that's a little bit of a difference. Like when you, when you draft accumulators like that, if you lose time with him, like it's easier to make it up than when you've got a guy who's got a huge carrying tool in fantasy, especially for deeper leagues. Well, I shouldn't have said the home runs. I, even if the stolen bases, 18 steals in 153 games. So if you cut, you know, 30 games off of that and he steals five less bases, that's 13 steals. And if that, if that's the guy, if that's his biggest appeal for you is steals, then that, I mean, 13 steals are nice, but it's not, I guess to me, there's nothing that stands out about him to me where I'm aggressively trying to get him. Uh, because I guess you could say that the stolen bases are his biggest asset. Uh, and to me, it, that's a big part of that is just because he's been playing so much. But what makes you think he's not going to play so much? Because here's the thing, like, I, I get what you're saying, like, well, guys don't normally play, but you should this much, but you shouldn't compare him versus other guys in the league because he's not other guys in the league. It's the same thing with like Marcus Simeon. All he does is play every game. You compare him against himself. Right. If he had if he had, you know, a year of 150 games and 150 games and 37 games, then you go, okay. now I'm really worried that there is a chance I get that 37 games. 
but that's not what Ahmed Rosario has been. So projecting an injury when he's never been really injured in his entire career, I think you're wish casting a little bit. So wait, Justin, tying it back to Xander Bogarts, because you and I have disagreed a lot this episode, and I like you, and I like the pushback. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have a Med Rosario finishing higher than Xander Bogarts in whatever he metric he did. you want to? I do, did. but I have them like right next to each other. So what's the big difference? It's the ADP. Xander Bogarts' ADP is 73 over the last two weeks. And Ahmed Rosario is 102. Give me the 30 points difference. Like, I have him as virtually the exact same kind of player in terms of money earned. So give me the guy I get two rounds later. I guess I we'll see. of a bet that we can make. It, it's who finishes higher on the, the player rater, the Rasmus player. player, player rater. Rater. Well, we need to think of some stakes, so. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Loser has you to. Tell, how about you tell me what you want to do? Loser has to post the uh, an embarrassing picture of themselves wearing what the other person chooses. Justin, <laughs> As if Justin, Justin doesn't mean, already do win, that. I know. I'm trying to put in my <laughs> Justin, Justin posts everything. Win, you have to heat your food up by space heater. Like <laughs> <I did last laughs> <year. laughs> you know what? See, I got children, so I can't really, uh, I can't really put their dinner on the line. No, no, it's yours. They get the nice microwave dinner. Hot from the stove, whatever. You have to put yours in front of the space heater. Listen, how about this? If if I win, you have to come on my podcast and give a speech on how amazing a fantasy analyst I am. And if you win, I'll come on your podcast and I will give a speech about how amazing fantasy analysts you are. That's fair. That's, That's a, a deal. Great deal. All right, I, I, it's locked oh. in. That's perfect. The first, the first bet on the position previews here. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, Britain, don't worry. We are about to talk about this man, Adalberto Monsi. We could not go this episode and not bring his name up. Uh, so let's go right to that section. Let's go to the last section of the night, and that's going to be the player you're drafting after the 20th shortstop off the board. Obviously, the value is going to be incredible for these guys. And since Britton brought it up because he's anxious to hear about Alberto Mondesi, Doc, why don't you lead us off? Because this is the player that you are going to be targeting this late in drafts. And of course, before you even say anything, the upside for him, if he plays a full season, is as high as potentially any shortstop in baseball would be what he could give you. Uh, was this Marty got, Marty's guy, too? He's been quiet for a while, so I want to give him the mic. Was no, it, no. Yeah. Oh, okay, go ahead, Marty. I didn't even oh, realize uh, you guys had the same guy here. Yeah, no, I'm having a good time watching you guys debate. This is amazing. And I I have time stamped at one hour and 35 seconds Rosario versus Bogart's bet. So it's going to be in there in the in the time codes for everybody to to revisit. So I'm excited for that one. But yeah, so uh, Mondesi now. So uh, 20 seconds shortstop off the board. He's going in the 15th round. And when we when I first submitted this, this was before that report that says he's going to be missing the beginning. He's on track to probably miss the beginning of the season. So we have to start there. But at the same time, I was never going to project him for more than 120 games anyway. So maybe he's just getting, you know, uh, missing the his time now, right at the beginning. Uh, but Bad Axe has him projected as leading the league in steals. So we're talking 20 plus, you know, uh, you know 20 plus shortstop off the board. He's uh, going, for, he's projected for 495 plate appearances, um, 39 stolen bases, 12 bombs, 62 RBIs, 40, or is he has 62 runs, 40 RBI. Obviously, his injury history, we don't have to go into it. We know what it's going to be. But 
I just want those steals late. You know, if I'm, if I somehow miss out on a couple of guys and, you know, I, I need some stolen bases to make up for him, he's just somebody easy. I can just plug and play and, you know, drop him if he gets, you know, severely injured um, for the rest of the season. I don't have hard hitting analysis. I want the stolen bases that late and that cheap. Doc, what about you? This is the cheapest that you've ever gotten him. And Fangraphs right now has him playing second base. So maybe he gets some multi position uh, eligibility. We talk about how fast he is. But I think let's contextualize it. In 2021, he played in 15 or 35 games, 15 stolen bases. 59 games in 2020. So I only missed one game, 24 stolen bases. 43 stolen bases in 102 games in 2019. 32 and 75 games in 2018. That's watered down Jose Reyes in his prime slash Willie Tavares slash Scott Pudsednik. You, you prepared OG. for this. You prepared for, you? for this. No, I actually just thought about this right now. For you OG <laughs> fantasy baseball players, like Marty said, this is the cheapest that you've ever gotten him. I've never been a proponent of taking Mondesi super early, but when you can get him at an ADP of 228 and he has a chance to lead the league in steals, why wouldn't you take a flyer at that time? I mean, yeah, again, the price he's going, it's it's not bad. And uh, Britain says ADP projects Mondesi for 100 games, 10 homers, 29 steals. He hits that he's more valuable than his NFBC 210 ADP. And just like Marty said, it's completely going for the steals at this point. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Right, uh, then hold, on, hold on. Hold on. Oh, we, good, we, good. We, can't, we, can't, we can't move on. Like, Monty <laughs> is super, super cheap. Like, I'm not going to, like, but projecting him for 100 games when he pay, has played a total of 50 combined the last yeah. two seasons. He's played 50 more games the last two seasons than his dad has. And his dad's in prison for the rest of his life. Like, right. Like, like there's a whole blooded. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Like there is like such a huge downside. Now we know he's not going to be most likely ready to start the season because his knee isn't ready. How many get, how many bases is going to steal on one leg? He could probably steal, steal a handful 15, but Ah, man, like this is Charlie Brown kicking the football all over again. Like I understand the price is super cheap. You want to take the gamble. Fine. It's not really going to hurt you, but like, let's not pretend like there's a really high percentage chance that he plays a hundred games. Like I, I would probably bet my job. He doesn't play a hundred games this year. Wow, man. This is a lot of bets on here, <laughs> but uh, Brandon's on your side. And I think you scared Britain, but, uh, <laughs> How many games do you think Montesi would play? Let's say they they rest him till he's ready. There to is begin no the confident number. I feel like I could put on it like sixty five. Okay, and in sixty five, he can steal thirty bases. Like I'm, like I'm, like the upside is ridiculous, and he's moving to a better park for power. Um, you know, like, but who knows? Like, do we have any idea what the Red Sox are going to do? Do we even trust the Red Sox? I think the Red Sox know what they're going to do. Yeah, like. They have, I have no clue what they're doing. I don't think they have any clue what they're doing at this point. You know, um, I might play more games at shortstop for the Red Sox, uh, than, uh, Mondesi will this year or Story will this mm-hmm. year. Like, it's just a complete nightmare situation. That being said, like, like, I mean, the ADP is amazing right now because he has been, I, I, in the triple play, uh, league last year, the ball, uh, which I have not gotten my invite to yet. Uh, thank you very Whoa. much. Um, to sign them up, Justin Mason, baby. There, there we'll we be go. giving you the link here shortly. All right, good. Um, got him. I took him in the fourth round last year and paid the effing price for it. 
you can get he you're gonna you know especially with this news today like he's gonna go way later than he already is going so like he is basically free um in standard leagues now in dcs he's not free but i'll take the gamble why not but there is a massive downside like just he if he played zero games this year would anybody be surprised i don't think i would be I'd be surprised if he didn't play at all. But Justin, you gave yourself up. This you th- you're talking from the heart. You burned yourself last year. This I'll, is why you're so mad. Yeah, and I'll burn myself again because I will try to kick that football because <laughs> he's so cheap. But like smart people won't. <laughs> so he's saying all you Mondesi faders are the smart ones. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, I don't think I'm actively looking to draft him, but I mean, can you imagine even if you get him at that price, he's still going to be a headache for you. Like he, he goes on the aisle with knee soreness and then he comes back and then he goes, something else happens. And you're like, why did I even do this experiment again? And uh, how, how many people last year drafted Fernando Tatis with the hope that, Hey, he's going to miss half the season, but then he's going to be a monster. Like yeah. that is what now you're not having to pay the same price you paid on Tatis. Right. But, like, you are setting yourself up right now for, like, just to be disappointed and hold him on your roster while you're being disappointed. And that's the hard part. So, so wait, Justin, I have one more counterpoint, and I know then uh, we, we're going to finish up. Because Bryn brings up a good point, and this was in my notes, is that Mondesi is a free agent next season. So I feel like the Red Sox have every incentive to play, and they don't care about his long-term health. But is he going to be healthy to, for his own long-term health? He might be trying to get a contract, though. No, no, he'll. I'm sure he'll try to play, like because he wants to yeah. try to get paid. But like, just because you want to play doesn't mean you should be playing or that you can play well. Like we have no idea, like if he's going to be healthy enough to like really be Alberto Mondesi, or is he going to be a lesser version? And is a lesser version that interesting? Yeah, I, I I can't say I'm I'm super for him. I understand that the discount there, but there's obviously still a lot of risk taking him at any point in the draft. Uh, at least that right now he's going outside the top 200, but I could see that creeping up as season gets closer potentially depending on news that comes out uh if I, he's progressing from his injury or whatnot. So, uh we'll leave that there for Mondesi and then we're going to go to our next player here and Let's go back to you, Justin, because I actually, this was the player I was thinking of talking about here as well. And I just think that his upside is tremendous for where you're getting. Yeah. The fantasy industry is notorious for burying prospects that don't succeed in their first go around. And I think that's kind of what's happening to CJ Abrams. Uh, You know, he skipped AAA. They brought him up. He had only had like 60 at bats or, or 60 games played or something like that in the minor leagues when they brought him up to the majors, like he struggled in San Diego. Right. And they sent him back down. Then they trade him. Well, now he's going to be an everyday shortstop in Washington. We know he has speed. That's for sure. He has shown really good contact ability in the minor leagues. I think there's a little bit more power than people give him credit for. But at the end of the day, like I'm going to get probably 20 plus stolen bases. uh, And I think a halfway decent average from the guy. And he's extremely cheap. Um, I think he's one of those guys like I'm in a draft right now where I tested the limits of how far I could push middle infield. And and I was like, okay, CJ Abrams, you're my shortstop in this league. Um, I don't feel super great about it, but I do like him as a, a good upside play kind of late in drafts. I mean, he's going to get a ton of playing time with the Nationals. And 
even just the, the counting stats he could put up in a full season if he stays healthy, if he's up there. I mean, seven steals and 284 bats last year. So you'd expect double digit steals from him. You know, I, I just think, like you said, Justin, it's so early to bury him as a prospect, especially for as highly regarded a prospect he was, that give him a full season in the big league starting from day one to get acclimated to big league pitching and just see what he can do. And you don't have to pay a lot to get it to see it at this point. I mean, right now he's the 23rd shortstop off the board at pick 234. So yeah. like take the take the risk. If he doesn't do it this year, then you know what? You didn't have to spend a lot to get him. So he's, he's worth 22. Like he's 22 years old. He was 21 and barely mm-hmm. played in the minors when he came up last year. Like there's just such upside that people are completely ignoring. I agree. I just hate how the Nationals develop hitters. Well, I mean, he's there. I mean, they didn't get him when he was young in the minor leagues in terms of the, the levels he was at. So, I mean, he was already pretty much a big league player once they got him. Um, but yeah, I agree. That's why I'm worried about uh, Elijah Green because I think he's going to be a, a stud, but the Nationals have him. So he's. I mean, they've, they've, you know, like every team, you know, misses, every team hits, every team develops, every team doesn't develop. Do some organizations do it better than others? Yeah. But Anthony Rendon was a stud coming up through the Nationals. Like, there are always going to be examples of guys who succeed and guys who don't. Ultimately, it comes down to the player. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think I think the bigger issue is are teams, a certain teams bad at evaluating talent as opposed to developing. Well, on the um, on the triple players beat um, or uh, triple play beat, uh, the um, the award beat. nominated triple yeah. baseball Warner. beat, yeah, yeah. baseball yeah. beat. That's it. Um, but when yeah, the the Nationals uh, beat writer was on, and he talked about how the Nationals are finally starting to rev- you know completely revolutionize how they um, you know they're coming into this year you know with like advanced stats and they're completely rechanging how they evaluate hitters. So hopefully that will help CJ Abrams. And I drafted him in the 18th round of our uh, triple play uh, best ball league. So I paired him with Willie Adamas. So, you know, 18th round. I like that. Yeah. That's my bats. It's nice. Uh, All right. LC wrap us up for the night. Talk about the last player going after pick 20. Um, I have him as the 25th shortstop off the board. And I'm really hoping Ezekiel Tovar Gets that starting shortstop, and there's no Colorado Rockying going on here. <laughs> uh, three days ago, the Rockies general manager basically said we are done putting together this team. That means there's someone on the roster now, and I went look through. They signed Harold Castro off of the Tigers roster last year, who is potentially someone who can play shortstop. I'm not sure. I don't think Alaudis Montero can play shortstop. I do know that Ezekiel Tovar is a whiz, a defensive whiz at shortstop and is very good. And if you look at the projections, they project, he's projected. I have him, I, I aggregate the projections. He's projected. I have at about 470 plate appearances and they have him hitting 270 with 14 home runs and 12 stolen bases. I'm telling you, if he's hitting 270, he's getting at least a hundred more plate appearances than 470. That's my thought on it. So I think where he's going well past pick 200, probably around pick 240 if my memory's serving me well, with what you might get from him, which I'm hoping the playing time is there, I think that that is a very good value. I'm trying to get in on these rookies that have 
uh, uh, an opportunity and, 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 and good skills. And I think Tovar is one of those rookies that has really good skills. And if given the opportunity can be fantastic. The one thing that's very scary is the Rockies don't seem like they like playing their younger players. They always will just go ahead and throw a wrench right when you think they're going to give the young guy a chance to be able to play. It's not their style, yeah. but Jose Iglesias is still there. Literally about to say the exact same thing. Jose Iglesias still on the free agent market right now. Uh, all right. When that notification goes through that he signs with the Rockies, uh, we'll have to, uh, to, to tag you guys in that. Cause that's freaking hilarious. Um, all right. I mean, we covered a lot of players tonight. And Justin, I, I know you basically ran from work to, to go get your laptop, come here, hang out with us. So I don't want to keep you much longer. So I want to thank you for coming on and hanging with the crew tonight and providing a lot of good nuggets for our listeners. So if you could please plug your Twitter handle, plug all the great work you're doing, plug anything you want the people to know you got coming up, projects or any fun stuff like that. Yeah, so you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. It's the same for like my TikTok and my YouTube and um, I think my Facebook as well. Uh, and then um, I'm doing 30 team previews in 30 days. So and we're coming up towards the end of that. Thank God, because that has been a lot of podcasts <laughs> um, over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits um, on the Sleeper in the Bus. TGFBA podcast will probably be restarting here uh, as well. And then I've got something in the works right now that I can't announce because it's not guaranteed Ooh. yet, Teaser. but potentially some more content uh, coming your way in the near future uh, for me as well. So, oh, TGFBI signups got till the end of the month. If you want in TGFBI, go sign up. If you want to try to win your way in because you're not in the industry as of this moment, TGFBI satellites are available. Sign up. Go to TGFBI.com. 400. 50 last year was it it was 460 like um i don't know if we're gonna have that many this year so far we've only got about 410 415 people signed up with about 80 people who played last year that haven't said they're out but haven't signed up so we have the potential of getting to 500 this year or potential of falling short of where we fell last year either way it'll be a lot of fun so uh you know i, I hope it hopefully will uh get to crush you all because I was uh, pathetic last year. I've finished both years. I think I was like 81 my first year and I was like 86 last year trying to get lower on there. I know, uh, what was it, Marty or Doc? One of you guys was up high really for like most of the season. I was second after the like the third day and I screenshot <laughs> it. And I said, like, guys, there. you'll never be higher than I was at any given moment. And then um, Michael Richards won it. So yeah, Michael Richards you know, that over crushed him. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, twenty-one. I was like top twenty-five for you know up until the last you know few weeks, but then I dropped about seventy-fifth last year. We're not going to talk about last year. Don't worry about that one. <laughs> yeah, I did a whole series over on Fangraphs talking about how awful my teams were last year. I called, I called it my apology tour. I went through. I dove <laughs> every single team on how bad they were. So I'm. I mean. Things can't be any worse uh, this year than they were last year. So I'm really excited for a good, what should be a pretty good season. The bounce back year. There we mm-hmm. go. Redemption. All right. I love it. Well, for Justin, again, make sure you're checking out all the great stuff he's doing right now. He, he's one of the pioneers in the fantasy baseball space and does great work. So check out all his great stuff. But for Justin, for a little cheesecake, for Doc, for Marty Party, I'm D-Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.